Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Gadsden First Methodist Church. We are so glad that you are with us today online. And we hope that you'll let us know that you're here by saying hello or commenting in some way uh, because it's always good to know who is with us. Um, today, before worship service started, we posted a celebration video because since we have been together last, many, many celebrations have taken place. There have been graduations, there have been weddings, um, so much to celebrate. And so if you missed that, please go back and take a look and join us as we celebrate all of these wonderful events in the life of our church family. Also this week, uh, we posted some information and also sent out a letter with an update on where we are about um, phasing in to our in-person gatherings. Just to highlight a couple of those things uh, that are taking place this week, we want you to know about. Uh, first of all, Mosaic will be gathering in our green space outside and social distancing um, on Tuesday at 6.30, and so we uh, encourage our Mosaic family and anyone else to join in that gathering. On Thursday night, we will be uh, starting our first in-the-sanctuary worship service. Um, we will start that at 5.30. Um, anyone who participates will be wearing masks and social distancing because we want to keep everyone safe. And then also our youth are going to gather on Wednesday night at 6.30, um, doing all the same. So again, we are phasing in to be able to join together differently, but together, and we are excited about that. Um, something else that we are excited about, I especially am excited about, is Vacation Bible School. It's that time of year. And uh, even though we will not be able to do it in person, it is still going to be a blast this year. And we hope that you will register today uh, is the registration deadline for a t-shirt. If you register after tomorrow, I mean, then you can still participate. We just won't get a t-shirt for you. Um, but we have all kinds of wonderful things that will be part of our virtual VBS. And we hope that all of our children will be part of that. And that will take place June 22nd through 26th. Uh, Pastor Sam and I continue to teach our Bible studies online. Uh, I have a new one starting this week, and I know, Pastor Sam, we would both love to have you join us in our Bible studies. Um, the Sunday school class for Martin Fellowship and Seekers are also taking place online, and so if you would like to dig in to the scriptures and join together in Christian fellowship, these are opportunities for you to do that virtually until we are able to meet again in person. Uh, the last announcement to share with you this morning is that uh, tomorrow... One of our amazing church family members will be um, videoed tomorrow on our church page, Elaine Spearman. Uh, she will be talking with Pastor Andy about her life and her passions and some things that we desperately need to hear about in the life of Christianity and the life of our world today. And so we hope that you will look for that video tomorrow on our Facebook page. Um, there is a lot going on in the life of the church. And today uh, we are joining together in worship to remember that one of the most important things that we can do as a church to continue to be alive and active in our individual lives and in the world around us is to work for peace with justice. And so with that in mind, I invite you to join with me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for this time of worship.
Gracious and loving God, we praise you and thank you that you are a God of peace and you are also a God of justice. And Lord, we pray that in everything that we do today, Lord, that our hearts will be opened. Lord, our hearts will be broken to receive your spirit, Lord, to receive your stirring, Lord, to receive your conviction, and Lord, also to receive your transformation so that we can go into the world and be the church that you would have us to be. Lord, we thank you for your cross. Lord, we thank you that you are patient, but Lord, we don't want you to have to be patient anymore. Lord, we want to do what you would have us to do. We want to be the people that you would have us to be. We want to be the church that you need us to be. In the name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. And now if you'll join together with me as we proclaim our faith through the ages and through all the times that unites us. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, and thank you for being with us in worship today here at Gaston First United Methodist Church. We're glad that you're here, and we're glad to have this opportunity to worship together. And one of the things that we do in worship, we sing and we pray, but we also give. Um, today is another opportunity for you and for me to give back because of what God has given to us. Now, you can do that in several ways. We're obviously not gathered in person yet, and when we do gather, we won't necessarily pass plates because uh, of wanting to be safe about that. So we ask that you uh, give by sending your offering through the mail or by going to fumcgadsden.org slash give, and you can learn all about how to give online. We, we also ask that you think about giving your time and your talents and your service. What can you do? How can you be the church and not just come to church? All of this we offer to God, and we ask God to bless it. So will you join me as we pray together? Gracious God, every good and perfect gift is a gift from your hands. We would be nothing without your love and mercy and grace. So we give back to you. What you've given to us, we give our lives, we give our time and our talent and our treasure, and we offer it to you, and we ask your blessings upon it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have our prayer time together today, I want to invite you to share your prayer requests with us. You can write it in the comments on Facebook Live, or you can email it to us at F-U-M-C at fumcgadston.org. That would be the way to email your prayer request to us. And we, of course, will pray for that ourselves, and we will invite our friends and our prayer team to, to pray. Uh, if you have a praise report you'd like to live, uh, lift up, we, we love to hear those too. We love to hear about answers to prayer and how God is working and God's sightings in your life. I want to invite you wherever you are uh, with if you're by yourself and home alone or if you're with someone, wherever you are, will you join with me and connect with me as we seek to connect with God in prayer? Gracious God, wherever we are, whether it's near or far, we turn our hearts towards you and we ask, dear Lord, that you would turn your face toward us. Turn your face toward us even though, Lord, we have uh, things in our lives that are broken 
that need to be mended. Turn your face toward us, Lord, even though we have sin in our lives, we need to confess. We do that in our hearts before you right now. And we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your redemption and your healing for us individually and collectively. Lord, we ask for you to forgive us for how we have not been the church. We ask for you to forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we have failed to live up to your glory and your purpose and your plan for our lives. So, Lord, we also pray for the needs that we know of in our own lives and in our community. We trust you, Lord, and we know that what breaks our hearts also breaks your hearts. Lord, I just pray that it would be the same way around, that what breaks your heart would also break our hearts. So we lift our needs up to you and we trust you. Lord, bless those who are hurting today. Bless those who are grieving. Bless those who are sick and need a healing touch. Bless, the, bless those who are angry over injustice and have been wronged. Uh, protect those who are working to fight for justice. We pray that you would bless our police and our first responders. Uh, bless our country's leaders, Lord, as they try to, to work together and to navigate through a very, very difficult time in our society. And Lord, bless your church, and may we be the church. Teach us to pray, Lord, together the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to be reading a scripture today from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to take a moment and, and turn over there, um, we'll be reading the last three verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, JT and Benny, for that music. Thank you, Pastor Kerry and Pastor Andy. Thank you, Matthew. Everybody who is making this um, service possible. And I'm thanking you for being with us today. I know of the thousands of places that you could be watching thousands of different things on your screen right now. You've chosen to worship with us here today in Gadsden First United Methodist Church. So thank you. It is an honor to be a part of your Sunday morning experience today. One of the things that we'll be doing at the end of this message is receiving communion. And even though you're not here in the same sanctuary with us, wherever you are, God is present. And wherever you are, you can go and get some bread or crackers and some juice or wine, whatever you have on hand. And at the end of this message, you can celebrate with us and we will still be connected even though we're so uh, separated by distance the holy spirit is what binds us together as one body so we have missed being with you we have missed seeing your faces we have missed in-person worship and as pastor Kerry said earlier we are taking steps to phase that back in and we're starting with mosaic tuesday night you know bring your lawn chair and join us in the green space for that we're going to be having our Thursday night worship on June the 11th, this coming Thursday. And for the month of June, those will be the only two in-person worship experiences we have uh, because they're shorter, because it's easier to distance, because we don't have singing and different things like that. We'll be asking everybody to practice social distancing. We'll be asking everybody to wear masks. Now, you say, well, Pastor Sam... Uh, you really are being cautious, aren't you? And yes, I am. And we are. We are being cautious because doing it this way shows that we love you and we care about your well-being. That's the bottom line of all this. We love you and we are choosing to do this um, this way because we want everybody to be safe and well. And whenever you choose to come and participate in an in-service, in-person worship service, um, you're just going to have to remember, and we, we, we know that it's going to seem different for a while. It's not going to feel the same when you're sitting all spread out. It's not going to feel the same when you're wearing a mask. I know it's uncomfortable. I don't like doing that either. It's not going to feel like it did before. And we understand that. And some of you, because of health conditions, may not feel safe coming back even when we open up every worship service up for in-person. And we understand that too. But we want you to know that if you choose to continue to worship online, by the way, we're gonna continue offering online worship even after this all pandemic is over. We're still gonna offer online worship and we're gonna try to get better and better at it. But if you choose to still do that and not come back right away, we understand. And we want you to know you're not being disloyal to your church family. We love you. We still feel connected to you. And uh, we'll get through this together. I know that you miss it. I miss it too. Oh, I miss it something fierce. I, I miss being with you. I miss doing simple things just like being able to see you and greet you. I miss so many different things. And... Um, this might sound silly to you, but I miss going to a baseball game, you know? I miss, uh, I look forward to the day 
that I can go see the Atlanta Braves play or the Rocket City Trash Pandas. I'm really excited. I've already got a Rocket City Trash Panda shirt, and I'm going to come and see the Trash Pandas. Um, so maybe you can go with me. So I, the, the sights and the sounds and the smells and all of the things that go along um, with being at a baseball game. I even miss the silly things they do in between innings to kind of keep the crowd motivated while they're having commercial break or while the teams are changing from, from batting to the field. Uh, I, the, the little races that they have are the Home Depot races around the field and, and all of the little contests they have. And my favorite is the KISS cam. Do you all know what the KISS cam is? Uh, that's where the, the camera people pan around the crowd, right? They pan all around the crowd, and you can see it up there on the Jumbotron. And then they'll find an unsuspecting couple, and they'll zoom in on that couple and freeze frame them on the KISS cam. And the couple's usually the last one to see it up there, and somebody has to elbow them or something. And of course, when you're captured on the KISS cam, you're supposed to lean over and kiss each other. And so every, you know, you lean over and kiss or not, which is really awkward because if you're just with somebody that's a friend and you don't want to smooch them, then it really can get awkward. So um, Tammy and I have been to a lot of Braves games, and we have never been captured on the kiss cam. And that's always kind of disappointed me because when that's going on, I'm puckered up and I'm ready to go, y'all just in case. The last Braves game that we went to, it was so hot and we were so sweaty and everything and it got time for the kiss cam. It was going around. I was ready to go. I was puckered up and ready and we didn't get on the kiss cam. cam. And so even though we didn't get captured on the kiss cam, I still leaned over and gave Tammy a kiss. You might be thinking, oh, isn't that sweet? But you need to know she probably said something like, I love you, honey, but it is hot out here, so you need to get up off of me. So, um, And I could have said, but sweetie, it's biblical. We've got to kiss. It's biblical. 2 Corinthians 13, 12 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. It's scriptural, baby. I don't know. I've been trying to steal kisses with that since I've been in junior high. And it's never worked. Have you ever done that? If you grew up reading the Bible and going to church and you saw that verse, you thought, hey, let's see this. Nah, maybe you'll have better luck than I did. Never worked for me. But seriously, it is one of the things that Paul tells the Corinthian church in chapter 13 in 2 Corinthians. It's one of the things that he tells them to do. And there are actually six things that Paul tells the Corinthian church to do that were relevant to them in the first century. And these same six things, just as the beauty of the scripture and the word of God, these same six things are as powerful today in the 21st century as they were in the first century. And they're as relevant today as they were then. And so we're going to look at those today, and we're going to look at them in connection to the subject of peace with justice, because today is Peace with Justice Sunday uh, so we're going to look at those six things, and we're going to go from number six to number one, kind of backwards, from verse 12 to verse 11. And uh, honestly, this is Peace with Justice Sunday. I can't think of uh, a better time for us to talk about those two things. P 
peace with justice. I can't think of a, of a more appropriate thing for us to be talking about today as the church in our nation right now. Amen. Peace with justice. So we're going to begin with number six in verse 12. And I want to give a shout out to uh, the people who helped me prepare my props for today. I will give props to uh, my daughters, Emily, Kate, and Allison for helping make these props. Uh, number six is greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, Paul wasn't just trying to get some sugar, as we say in the South. Um, that's not what greeting each other with a kiss was all about. Greeting each other with a kiss was a social custom in that day, right? And it still is in some countries. You either kiss on one cheek or both cheeks when you go. And I want you to know, look, this right here is the only one of those six things that I'm going to tell you today that I'm going to recommend that you not do when you come back to in-person worship. I just don't think it's wise right now for us to get back together and to run up and to smooch on each other because of safety, number one, because also this is Gadsden, Alabama, and it's not Paris, France, and your spouse is liable not to like it if you go up and smooch your neighbor and you might get in trouble. So let's just get past that smooching part, but let's get to the essence of what Paul is saying in this command, greet one another with a holy kiss. And the essence that Paul is getting to for the church, for them in the first century, for us today, is to be in a state of genuine affection for each other, a place of peace, to be in a peaceful enough spot with each other that I could give you a hug, that I could kiss you on both cheeks. And if I have anything against you, if we have a disagreement, then we'll just do what your mama used to tell you to do with your sister or your brother. You kiss and make up, right? To be at a place of peace is the essence of that command. And it was needed. I mean, my goodness, the church in Corinth had tremendous divisions. They were disagreeing about everything. The first four chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians all Paul is dealing with is the divisions in the church, the arguments in the church. Instead of being united, they were divided. They were split up into different factions and different groups and different parties, if you will. They had attached themselves to different leaders, to different teachers. There was division everywhere. And all of these divisions in the church, all of the divisions were rooted in this one thing. They were rooted in the fact that some folks thought that they were superior to other folks. Some folks thought that their spiritual gift was superior to somebody else's spiritual gift. They thought too much of themselves and thought too little of the amazing grace of God that all of us need and without which none of us could live and none of us could exist. And because they thought they were superior to somebody else, then Paul said to them, y'all are like a bunch of babies. You're like a bunch of spiritual babies. You think that you're wise, and you think that you're ready for the meat of the Word of God, but you just need a baby bottle. You can't handle the meat. All you can handle right now is a baby bottle. 
You're supposed to be the body of Christ, he writes to them in 1 Corinthians. You're supposed to know that every part has to work together and every part of the body of Christ is important to the body. And the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. That's my loose translation of what Paul tells the Corinthians church about divisions. So divisions, some folks thinking they're better than other folks, folks fighting all the time. I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like 21st century America and not just 1st century Greece. We need to hear that. Peace and genuine affection is the goal we're striving for. That's number six. Number five is this. Verse 11. Live in peace. Live in peace. Another way you could say that is cultivate harmony. This is the goal that we have. We might not be there yet. I know certainly we're not there yet, but we must strive to get there. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, peace is where we've got to strive to be. I know peace is a word that gets tossed around and has a lot of different expressions, uh, and and it varies. For instance, uh, you could talk about rest in peace, R.I.P., and that means you're dead. And I guess if you're dead, you can't argue and fight with anyone anymore, right? I want to tell you what. We don't need any more rest in peace right now. We've, we've had plenty of that, thank you. We don't need one more person to die in the streets of our countries, of our cities. We don't need one more unarmed black person killed on the street. We don't need one more police officer who is targeted for trying to do his or her job to protect and serve. We've had enough of rest and peace, people. That's not what living in peace is all about. That's not what Paul means in verse 11 when he says live in peace. So it's not rest in peace. And then sometimes people just say, hold your peace. Hold your peace. And that means shut up. That means keep silent, keep your mouth closed, don't speak up. And there's a time that we need to hold our peace. And, and I know a lot of congregations wish their preachers would know on Sunday mornings when to hold his or her peace. But there's a time when you just can't hold your peace. When somebody is suffering injustice, it's not the time to hold your peace. Because that's not the way to live in peace when someone is hurting somebody, when someone is experiencing injustice. If we hold our peace then, in the face of injustice, then we are siding with the side of the oppressor rather than the side of the oppressed. And we've got to know Old Testament and New Testament, that is not where we want to be. That's not where we want to be. And then there's keep the peace, right? Keep the peace. That's what the Roman Empire did in Jesus' day. It was called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And it was very important to the Roman Empire. Peace. But peace came at a heavy price. Peace was won by the Roman soldiers who were there with swords and spears. And anytime there was any kind of any kind of protest or any kind of thing that the people did to stand up against the Roman Empire, 
they brought in the soldiers and they brought in uh, the spears and the swords and they killed people. The price of keeping the peace was the blood of the people shed on the streets. Keeping the peace was possible with enough swords and enough spears and enough soldiers and, and enough power. You can keep the peace, but that doesn't mean you're living in peace. It doesn't mean the kind of living in peace that, that Paul means that the Bible tells us to do. And finally, there's making peace. And that's where we need to be. That's where we need to land with both feet. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9 in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Did you notice he didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers or blessed are the peaceholders? He said blessed are the peacemakers. And they'll be called the children of God. So brothers and sisters, when things are wrong, when things are, are boiling over like a pot on the stove, when there's unrest and there's turmoil and there's fighting, we need to be church. We need to be peacemakers. And we need for folks to work toward a goal of peace, to not promote division, to not promote violence, to not promote disharmony and destruction, but to promote the peace of Christ. Peacemakers. That's number five. Number four, be like-minded. Be like-minded. Um, the New Revised Standard says, agree with one another. Be like-minded. Somebody in the Corinthian church reading Paul's letter for the first time might have thought, agree with one another? Me agree with her? Me agree with him? What are you talking about, Paul? We can't agree with anything. And that's the way I feel sometimes today. That's not just the first century church. That's the 21st century church. We can't agree on anything. We, we can't agree on politics. We can't agree on football. We can't agree on denominational doctrine. We can't even agree on how much cayenne pepper to put in the gumbo. We can't agree on anything, it seems. But we can be like-minded. We can be like-minded in the way that God wants us to be. God doesn't expect us to agree on the color that the wall should be painted. But God does expect us to be like-minded on this one thing. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. God has made peace with us through Christ, and God has given us the ministry of making peace with each other. That's the job he's given us. And if we can't agree on anything else, can't we agree on that? Can't we agree that warring and destroying and disharmony and injustice, that even if that is the reality now, that's not the goal? Can't we agree that reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other, that that's the goal? If we can agree on that one thing, we can be like-minded on that, then we can live in peace.
That's number four. And then maybe we can move to number three. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. The new RSV says, uh, listen to my appeal. And it also can be translated, encourage one another. I think encourage one another is a much better translation. So before we go any further, though, I want us to, to kind of back up. The scripture has asked us to do six things, six commands to live in peace with justice, going from the bottom to the top, from number six to five to four to three to two to one. This is the goal, the shalom of God. So let's see how they're connected. These first four, six, five, four, and three, are connected to living in peace, to greet one another with a holy kiss, to have genuine affection toward one another, to live in peace, to live in harmony and peacefulness, to be like-minded in our pursuit of harmony and peace and reconciliation. And if we have all of that going for us, then we will be able to encourage one another to actually listen to one another, to actually listen to one another and not talk at each other. So the word here for encourage one another is the Greek word in verse 11, parakaleo, and it means to call alongside, to give comfort. It's very similar to the word in the Bible used for the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who is called alongside to help us. The world, the world is on fire now, and it needs for the church to come alongside to encourage, not to stand back, not to pretend it's not happening, but to be filled with the comforter so that we can come alongside those who are filled with anguish and despair right now. Our friends are in anguish right now. And church, we cannot hold our peace. Our friends are exhausted right now. So church, we cannot rest in peace. Our friends are angry over injustice right now. And we cannot only be concerned with keeping the peace. We have to make peace, church. We have to encourage one another toward that end. That's got to be the goal. Peace is, here I want to give you a quote, and then I want you to guess who, who gave this quote. Peace is not merely a distant goal that we seek, but a means by which we arrive at that goal. And the person who said that was Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Peace is not just the goal, but it is the means by which we arrive at the goal. Did you catch that? Peaceful means to work for justice. They go hand in hand. But make no mistake, you can't have one without the other. You can't have peace unless you have justice with it. Without justice, there can't really be peace. And that brings me to number two. And this one is so important. Verse 11, Paul tells them, put things in order. Put things in order. And it means to, to mend what has been torn. Uh, this, there's a reason for these colors. Uh, and this is our country that's being torn right now. The colors mean red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. 
mend what has been torn, put things in order. What does that mean? Well, it means something's out of whack. Something's off. Something's missing. Something's broken. Something's torn up. It's a call to mend what's been broken. Like, it's, it's a word that was used back then when, when you needed to mend a torn fishing net, right? So that you could use it again. It's a word that was used back then to, to set a broken bone so that you can use it again. So that it can be used for its intended purpose again. To fix what's out of order. To put it in order. To mend our ways. Before justice can be done. We need to mend our ways. I'm not saying you need to mend your I'm saying we need to mend our ways. To mend the injustice. We can't afford to ignore it anymore. Christians... We can't ignore injustice and still call ourselves followers of Jesus. I want to say to you today, I repent over my silence in the face of injustice. I repent. As a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, I repent. My complicity in this has been my silence, and I repent. There are all kinds of injustices all kinds of injustices in, the, in this world, but racial injustice is what's at the forefront right now. And so I want to say to the members of our church family at Gaston First, the members of our community in Gaston, the members who are people of color, I want to say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're having to go through this anguish again. I'm sorry that we all had to witness what we witnessed a few days ago. And for me, it made me physically sick. But for you, for people of color, you had to think, here we go again. Here we go again. So to my fellow white brothers and sisters in this church, in this community, I want to say to you, join with me, because this isn't just a problem for African Americans or people of color. It's a problem for everybody. It's a problem for all of us. And it's going to take all of us if we're going to put things back in order because nobody has justice until everybody has justice. That's the way it works. And I want to tell you what, we're not there. I want to tell you what, we need to repent, which literally means to change your mind so that you can change your actions. To put things in order starts right here to change our minds. To change our minds. Putting things in order means when I ask myself this question. You know, things are out of whack right now. Things are torn right now. What part do I play? What part do I play? I won't speak for you. I won't speak for Pastor Andy or Pastor Carrie. I won't speak for anybody else. I'll speak for Pastor Sam. And I'll say, Pastor Sam, what needs to be put in order in your mind? And honestly, what that means for me as a straight, white, male, educated, middle-class member of America's dominant religion, what it means for me to live in privilege because of all of those things, I need to get that straightened in my mind first because I could spend time on all of those adjectives. And there's privilege that I enjoy, that I uh, am, live in, 
that surrounding all of those adjectives. But today, today I will talk about white privilege. It, it feels funny to even say that. It feels uncomfortable for me to even say that. It feels uncomfortable to talk about that. But imagine how uncomfortable it felt to see your family member, to see George Floyd a few days ago, who was killed on the street. Imagine how uncomfortable our friends of color are feeling. Remember, we're talking about peace and we're talking about justice. And if we don't talk about justice when we talk about peace, well, frankly, we're just blowing hot air. Something is out of order right now. And we have to be uncomfortable enough to address it. Maybe it's uncomfortable for you too. But you know what I found? The Lord comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. So white privilege. I've never had to spend much time thinking about that. I've never dwelt on that very much. White privilege? I thought, well, white? Okay, big deal, I'm white. I'm not a racist, I would say to myself. Privilege? What do you mean privilege? What, what do you mean privilege? I've worked hard. And, and I haven't had it that easy. I mean, I've had my fair share of hardships. I've had obstacles that I've had to overcome. And all of that's true. I have had hardships. And I have had obstacles. And I have worked hard. But the color of my skin has never been one of those obstacles, you see. And that's what it means to live in white privilege. That I haven't had the color of my skin be an obstacle in those areas. And if I want justice... In, Along with peace, I've got to be honest in my mind. I've got to be honest in my mind about what I haven't had to deal with just because I'm white. For instance, I haven't had to worry when I'm driving through a nice neighborhood. I haven't had to worry that I was going to get pulled over just because of the color of my skin. And if I do get pulled over, if I do get pulled over, my biggest concern is what my wife is going to say when she finds out I got a ticket. That's my biggest concern because I'm white. When I got accepted into graduate school at Emory University, which is a very fine school, I never had anybody say to me that I was only accepted into that school because of the color of my skin or that I took the spot that should have gone to somebody else because of the color of my skin. That never happened to me because I'm white. I've never been hated. I've never been called names because of the color of my skin. I've never had a parent to tell me that I couldn't date their daughter because of the color of my skin. I've never had to hear patronizing words while sitting in a group of people where I was the only white person. I've never been patronized and had to bite my tongue because of the color of my skin. I've never had someone to cross to the other side of the street when I was walking down the street because of the color of my skin. I've never had someone follow me around in a department store thinking I was gonna shoplift because of the color of my skin. I've never been called a thug when I've gathered together with my friends that had all skin like me. I've never had that experience. I've never been denied access to employment or advancement or housing or anything else, anything else because of the color of my skin. 
And basically, because I haven't had to think about that very much, I haven't had to dwell on race very much, I haven't had to think about racial injustice very much over my lifetime, and it's because I have had the privilege, the luxury really, not to have to dwell on it every single day of my life. Not like my friends who are people of color. I don't have to dwell on it every single day. And if I don't do anything else, I've got to start by being aware of privilege. Of privilege. I've seen racial injustice. I remember the first time I really was aware of racial injustice was during the 1960s when I was starting the first grade in 1967. And I was, this was right in the middle of desegregation and I can say I'm thankful for the progress that has been made over the years that, that my children didn't have to go through, through what I went through in the 60s. But let's be honest, y'all. Let's just be, be honest before God and before each other. The issues of racial injustice in the 1960s are still with us in 2020. It's still an issue today. It's still an issue. It was a sin in the 1960s. It's a sin today in 2020. It's a sin, and it's our sin. And we have to own up to it if we're going to honestly repent. We've got to own up to it. Then maybe we can start to mend what's been torn. Maybe then we can start to put right what's been wrong. Maybe then we can put things in order as 2 Corinthians 13, 11 tells us to do. And then we can get to number one. Number one in the sixth, we can rejoice. Rejoice. New Revised Standard says farewell, but rejoice. It can also be translated rejoice, and it was just, it was a greeting. It was used as a hello, and it was used as a goodbye, kind of like aloha, right? And here's what it means. It means, may you experience God's favor. May you be conscious of it, and may you be glad for God's grace. What a way to greet somebody. What a way to say farewell to somebody. Rejoice. Rejoice is what happens when peace and justice come together. When peace and justice come together. I want to leave you with uh, a verse from Psalm 8510. Psalm 8510 says this, Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Justice and peace will kiss each other. Justice and peace will kiss each other. Can you just imagine? Now, I, I have a vivid imagination, so I, I'm, I'm picturing in my mind a, a ballpark and, and justice and peace sitting in the ballpark together, and the kiss cam is going around the crowd, and the kiss cam locks on justice and peace, and they actually kiss each other. And the crowd rejoices. Wouldn't that be something worthy of rejoicing over? For justice and peace to go together? To kiss each other. And we all could see it. Because I want to tell you, church, the world is watching us on the Jumbotron right now. 
The world is watching us to see, are we going to be the ones who come alongside to comfort? Are we going to add justice to peace? The world is watching us right now to see if we're going to fulfill what we said we'd do when we were baptized. When we were baptized, we said, I promise, I promise to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. The world is watching. What will we show them? Let's show them peace with justice. Let us pray. Oh God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let it begin with me. As I come around to prepare for um, Holy Communion, I want to invite you to run to your kitchen or your pantry, wherever, and get ready to celebrate with us, okay?
Now our closing hymn is going to be one that I mentioned before, and it's one that I hope that you uh, have heard, and I hope that you can sing from the heart. It's Let There Be Peace on Earth, and Let It Begin With Me. That's number 431 in our hymnal. Will you sing with us? did 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 11 and 12 and I've saved verse 13 for our benediction and so will you hear this benediction may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all amen